stand and think about next week or starting Sunday if you will Let's be praying for it but also singing now
Jason, if you would, open us in prayer, please. Yes. Amen. Please do be seated. That song right there, I love that song for, for the message and the tune and everything. But uh, I appreciate you singing Amen. No? Let's address that. I only say Amen because I had a preacher friend of mine. Whenever he led that, he says, Baptist, say Amen. I was like, I want to be a Baptist. I better say Amen. And uh, but then you study it out, and it is amen. I mean, it's the it's the Hebrew word amen. Okay, and uh, and uh, so anyhow, amen and amen. When it says that, what's it saying? It's verily, verily, or truly, truly. That's what it's talking about. So when you say amen, that is truth. And so whenever you say amen or amen, however you want to say it, um, what you're doing is saying that is truth. And I got to tell you, there's nothing better to be able to say that when the word of God's being preached or sung. Amen, amen. Okay, it's still split. <laughs> well, amen. There you go. And the thing that's funny about that, I've had that conversation from this pulpit 20 times, and it just makes me smile every time I do it. You guys don't remember. See, I'm looking at a preacher, a big guy, bigger than me. His name was Judd Riley. He wore cowboy boots, and, uh, and that was his thing. Baptist say amen. Amen. Anyhow, you don't care. <laughs> Could you turn with me to the book of uh, Habakkuk? Habakkuk, we're going to test your skills tonight. Habakkuk, a pretty thin book. But it's really a very important book out of measure in the sense that it's referred to in the New Testament in a very significant way, in a very intentional way, three times. And uh, we've been talking about the foundations of faith. And so far, we've seen the necessity of endeavoring to keep our foundations from being destroyed by Satan. How that he, he's very good about always attacking the foundation. We're, we're always kind of focused on the, the things out here, and he's always focusing on the most important and the most substantial. We saw, if you will, that abiding in Christ is our foundation, amen, if you will. And so he talks about our relationship with God is something that we need to focus on for a good foundation for our life. Not only that, we saw the importance of family, about how that, uh, that was the very first attack. The very first attack, God inside, God, uh, uh, Satan got inside the home and uh, tried to divide the home and all the problems that that has caused. And folks, today we can't even define what a home is. That just tells you how under attack that uh, the home is, if you will. Then we looked at, if you will, the foundation of the Word of God. Uh, you know, 
Without the Word of God, we have no foundation. And so how important it is. And I would say this, it would be a tragedy for any of us to have access to a foundation and not use it. Because by definition, no foundation, no stability. You have an unstable life or an unstable faith or an unstable mind. And, and so, if you will, uh, how important it is for us to be in the Word of God, not just on Sunday and not just on Wednesday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Friday and Saturday morning. And every day having that foundation of the Word of God. And I was trying to think, what other foundations do we have in our life that are very important? Okay, foundations that we need to make sure are sure. Okay, and and so if you will, I was thinking it really is the foundation of faith. Okay, can I ask you a question? Any of y'all have ever had your faith shaken? And what would shake your faith? Talk to me for a second. What would shake your faith? Well, let's talk about this because nobody's going to want to confess these things. Let's talk what would shake other people's faith. Tragedies shake your faith. What else? Anybody watch the nightly news? <laughs> shake your faith. How about a few two dollars too little in your bank account? That could shake your faith. And so if you will, there's just a lot of ways that the devil is trying to shake our faith. And yet God, whenever he is facing this prophet Habakkuk, and I will encourage you to read the entire book. It's only three chapters. It's relatively short. And it's in the context of the fact that God has told his prophets that God is going to destroy Israel, remove them from their promised land by a nation called Babylon. And he knows this. He's been told this. And he just doesn't understand it because in chapter 1 he's saying they're the ones that deserve to be punished. They're the ungodly people. They're the wicked rulers. They're the bad ones, if you will. And all you have to do is read chapter 1. So he, in a sense he's saying it's just not fair. And so in chapter 2, he crosses his arms and he says, I'm going up into my tower and I'm just, I'm just going to wait until you give me an answer. And when I'm rebuked, see, he knew he had a bad attitude about the whole thing. Because even in verse 1, because that's where we're going to go, is, is, is Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says this, it says, And I will stand upon my watch and will set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am rebuked. Reproved, excuse me, reproved. He knew he was out of line. He knew he was out of line, okay? And so he just said, I, I just don't understand how that the righteous suffer and the unrighteous proper, prosper. And can I ask you a question? Do you think maybe his faith was shaken just a little bit? Hey, I'm a prophet of God. I'm on the winning team. I'm on the, I'm on the good guy's side. Well, how come the good guys are losing? And how, how come, God, you've given me the message to go into the world and tell my people they're going into captivity to a nation that is more wicked than they are? I don't understand it. It's hard for me, okay? You can understand his world is shaken now. And so in verse 2, the Bible says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables. He says, in a sense, do what I told you to do, <laughs> okay? He says, that he may run that readeth it. He says, I'm trying to give warning to people. All right, so you do your job. All right. Now, folks, get a hold of what he's doing here. He's being reproved. And so, essentially, God is saying this. Just do what I told you to do. Anybody here ever been in that place with God? You just don't understand or you're upset. Your world is shaking. Your faith is, I mean, your knees are trembling. Amen. And God says, just do what I told you to do. 
I think sometimes we've done that as parents, haven't we, in frustration? Our child is crying, I don't understand, Dad. Just do what I told you to do, okay? You'll understand what's important to understand. Notice what it says in verse 3. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. He says, it's, it's coming. He says, but at the end it shall speak, meaning you'll see, you'll understand whenever all this unfolds, okay? He says, and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Folks, get a hold of this. He's just, in every way he can, he's saying this, trust me, trust me, trust me, okay? And then verse 4 is the one that is quoted. It's, the, it's Really, it's the only verse anybody ever goes to Habakkuk for, yet having studied it a little bit to preach this, there's a lot of good verses in this, in this text. Amen. We'll see some here in a little bit. Verse 4, it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but, say it with me, the just shall live by his faith. You remember, and we'll see it here in just a moment in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, but, but faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for. And if you will, it's that sure and that solid foundation. The just shall live by his faith. In a sense, if you will, go with my premise here. If you want a secure life, you've got to learn to trust God. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to sing your praises. We do pray for those who are apart from us today. We just pray, Lord, you minister to their every need. We know sickness is going around and, and, and just different things. We just pray, Lord, you minister there. Father, we do pray for Sunday services. We pray for Brother Taylor and his family as they travel here. Pray for the messages that he might preach the very things we need to hear. And Father, just uh, help us next week to be faithful to attend, to be challenged, to grow, and to surrender ourselves to your perfect will. Father, help us to be looking for your soon coming that you do promise. And Father, help us not to get weak need and help us not to draw back in a difficult time. But Father, it's always been a difficult time. Help us to have a foundation to stand strong. And Father, help us that, to know that we should live by our faith. Father, we love you. We thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I, I will show you here in just a moment, but uh, God answers Habakkuk here with this, the just shall live by his faith. And we'll talk about that. But then he's quoted three times in the New Testament. He's quoted, if you will, in the book of Romans. We'll look at that here in a moment. He's quoted in the book of Galatians, and he is also quoted in the book of Hebrews. Okay, And each one, if you will, takes a, a slight, a different view of what faith is. Now, if I was to ask you what faith is, uh, I mean, we could come up with all kinds of definitions, couldn't we? Well, faith is the substance of things. What's that mean? I mean, honestly... How about this one? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen? You all know that one? Okay, well, what is faith? Well, faith is what you believe. Okay, I appreciate that. But does it matter what you believe, when you believe, how you believe it? Yeah, amen. And so if you will, when he's talking about faith, it's not just faith in its general sense, but there's some specific attributes that God uses with this verse to teach us, if you will, the foundation of faith. And the first thing that we see is that uh, faith is assurance by God. How, how many of y'all are, uh, aren't you comforted by God? Amen. Aren't you glad God's in charge of this mess? Listen, all you got to do, uh, we don't live in a war zone. We're praying for people in a war zone. I hope you are. The Bible says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, does it not? 
And hopefully you see that, and, and when you do it, it, it clicks a reminder, hey, we should be praying for those people and, and everything like that. But i got to tell you, there's a big difference between praying for a war and being in a war. Amen? And, and I want you to know that you can have the same assurance in the most difficult of times than the, say, the assurance that you can have when all the bills are paid and everybody's healthy and the car's running and, and everything's great. Can I just tell you this? You need faith in both times. Now, a lot of times you, you say, well, you need more faith then. No, you just need faith. See, that's what God told him. He says, just trust me. I've got this thing in control. I told you what was going to happen so that you would know and understand that I can tell the end from the beginning and you can have the assurance of your mind that I'm not out of control. I haven't lost, uh, I haven't lost control of this whole thing and you can trust me that everything's happening exactly the way that it needs to happen. Matter of fact, he, he shows us that. If you will, go to chapter one just real quick and I'll, I'll just give you a real quick overview. <laughs> But the Bible talks about here, uh, if you will, Babylon coming to punish a disobedient Israel. Now, how many of y'all think he, he's living there, folks? How many of y'all think he's looking forward to them being punished? <laughs> but how many of y'all also know they deserve to be punished? God tells us in other books why they had to be punished. It wasn't a, he wanted to, he had to, okay, if you will. And so he was going to use a wicked nation called Babylon to do it. And so chapter 1 describes that, okay? And you can go back and read that for yourself. And then in chapter 2, essentially, you know what the prophet says? He says, I don't understand. I don't understand. Okay? Well, help me for a second. If God says, you just go tell the people what I told you. By the way, is he a prophet of God? What's his job? To hear from God and to report it. By the way, how many of y'all think that made him a very popular man in the street? I don't know if you've read about Jeremiah. He's called the weeping prophet for a reason, folks. Why? Because every time he told the king that the, it, it made the people in the capital mad and they wanted to arrest him. If you remember, they, they threw him in a, a dungeon in a miry pit, left him there to die, literally to take and to wait until he starved to death and sank in the mud. Now, I got to tell you, uh, that, that's an awful the thing to think. And if they did that to Jeremiah, what do you think they were going to do to Habakkuk? He's kind of saying, yeah, I got to tell these people this. And I don't understand because I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. And I can't justify it with my reasoning. Why is a more wicked people taking and having it? By the way, do we live in a world today where it seems like the most wicked people are prospering? And the best of people quite often are suffering? I don't know about you. One thing that gets me is whenever I, I see like soldiers or military men who've been arrested in other countries for, just for doing their job. And, and then our government just lets them languish and stuff like that. I got to tell you, I just, why? Why? That's a good man. That's a good person. Taking and serving. Why can't we do something for it? Why? Well, it's sometimes we don't know. God says, just tell them what I told you to tell them. And the just, chapter 2, shall live by his faith. Meaning this, the righteous person is going to just be able to take and have solid confidence. That is what God said. That is what God meant. That is God, what God wants me to do. Amen. Uh, has anybody here ever been afraid to witness to a lost person? Thank you. Did you go ahead and do it? Well, maybe I don't want testimony time here. A number, a number of you are going like this. What made you do it? I don't want to do it. Why? They're going to hate me. 
they're going to get mad at me if I do it. Come on, am I saying the things that go through your mind? Amen? And, and then you go, wait a minute, it's because God told me to. Come on. It's because God told me to. Do you realize that we can take and have great assurance in our life, gives great stability to our life when we do things, and the whole world would say, you shouldn't do that, you can't do that, don't you dare do that. I say, wait a minute, God told me to do that. The just shall live by his faith. Amen. And by the way, folks, unless you don't think that's an issue, I can't even imagine going to school today because, folks, I remember the opposition I faced when I went to school, and I wasn't even a Christian at that time. I was just somebody who had Christian maybe morals, if you will, okay? I didn't believe in evolution. And so I went to school, and I, I was just like, what is this nonsense you're teaching us here? And you didn't dare speak up because you'd mention it to somebody. I did this to this girl one time. I was talking to her. I said, do you believe in all this nonsense? She goes, oh, I love this stuff. Okay, I guess I won't talk to you about it. <laughs> you all understand my point? My whole point is this, is having the assurance, no, it is the right thing to do. Amen? Is it the right thing to do to go to church? Why? You have a verse for it. Husband, is it the right thing for you to do to love your wives? Even in hard times, even when you don't know what the right thing, you say, well, wait a minute, I'm going to love my wife. Why? As Christ loved the church. I, I don't know if I should. Yes, you should. Why? Because you have the assurance of your faith. And then trusting does give a foundation. Go to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. Look at verse 16. Excuse me. Chapter 3 and verse 16 says, When I heard, my belly trembled. <laughs> I, I really wish you guys would go back and read this thing for yourself and see if you can relate to this guy. Because notice what he says. He says, When I did, when I heard, my belly trembled. He said, My lips quivered at thy voice, at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones. He said, And I trembled in myself. Folks, is he, is he afraid to do what he was told to do? Yeah, but what made him do it? Well, the just shall live by his faith. Amen. The Bible says that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto his people, he will in, invade them with his troops. He's, he's, just, he's, he's talking about a lot of things there. But anyhow, he says in verse 17, he says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom. By the way, the fig tree is Israel, guys, if you don't know. He says, Neither shall the fruit be in the vines. By the way, the vine is Israel. Okay? He says, he says right here, he says that we're not going to have blossoms, we're not going to have fruit, okay? He says the labor of the olive shall fail, by the way, another type of Israel, okay? These are all very prominent types of Israel, okay? He says, and the field shall yield no meat. The flocks shall cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And then notice verse 19. He says, the Lord God is my, say it please, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he shall make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my strings instruments. Anybody ever read that book? Uh, it's uh, Hinds Feet on High Places. Anybody ever read that? It's an allegory like uh, Pilgrim's Progress. I, I've never read it, so I don't know. It's a very common book, though. And I always wondered what that meant. Every once in a while we'll sing a song with that reference in there. So this is a common metaphor, if you will. And he's saying this. He's saying, when all the world around me is shaken, he says, I'm going to have high hinds feet in high places. Meaning what? We talked about it the other day. You guys 
when the goats and everything are on them rocks. You ever seen what a small sometimes purchase they have on that mountain, and yet you can't shake them off the mountain. Now the bobcat chasing them falls off. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But uh, he says, you're just going to be as solid as you can be, Habakkuk, if you'll just trust me. Just trust me. I don't know about you, but any time that you get into a place in your life where you don't know what to do, can I ask you to do this? Because I think it'll help you get through. How about you just trust God? And sometimes he doesn't give you the answer. By the way, did he give him the answer? No, he just gave him something to do. You go do what I told you to do. Let me worry about it. So you just trust me. Amen. How many of y'all think Jesus is coming again? Praise God. So let's just be faithful until that happens. Amen. And so, if you will, we see that Habakkuk and his faith taught us about the, what, what faith means, that foundation, if you will, is the assurance that we can have that God is right. Now, help me for a second here. We talked about the Bible being a foundation for us. Isn't it nice that when all the world is questioning this book, all we can do is go to it and say, that's what God said So next time you look at a form and it gives you an option of 31 different genders, how many of y'all are going to have trouble picking yours out? I'm not trying to be clever, guys. How about we confidently go, well, you're either a male or a female. And we'll see that here in a second. Why? Because male and female created he them. Well, you just don't understand. No, no, I think I'm the one that does understand. And folks, anybody ever been on that side where somebody's in your face questioning your values because you don't know what you're talking about? That's old-fashioned thinking. That's archaic thinking. That's boomer thinking. That doesn't mean Oklahoma thinking, by the way. You can say, no, that's Bible thinking. And you're not going to move me off of this unless you show me that I'm interpreting it wrong. But I'll have you to read it first, and then you tell me if I'm interpreting it wrong. Amen. And we can have the assurance of our faith. The second thing that we see, go to the book of Romans, because this is where it's quoted again. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, excuse me. And uh, look at verse 16, if you will. The Bible says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, say it with me, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so if you will, the Apostle Paul here now takes that verse from uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 and he applies it to the gospel. Because if you will, what is faith? Well, faith is your salvation. Amen? For by grace are we saved through so faith is our salvation, okay? And so it's very important for us to understand that we can have a foundation of, no, I'm not saved by my works. I'm not saved by my good deeds. I'm not saved by my mom and my dad. I'm not saved by my church. I'm saved by my faith in Jesus Christ. He died for my sins according to scriptures. He was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, amen? And so the gospel message that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again is the confidence that I can have that I know I am saved. Why? Because I know I'm trusting, I have the foundation of faith, if you will. I'm saved, I'm rescued, I'm delivered by God. You know, look what it says in verse 16. It says, from faith to faith. Y'all see that? 
from faith to faith. Now, what that means is, is folks, a person gets saved, and then he shares his faith. You know with me? A person gets saved, and then he shares his faith. It started in the Garden of Eden, okay? When God said that the good news given to Adam and Eve is you're going to have a son, and he's going to defeat your enemy. He's going to, he's going to bruise him in his head, amen? He's going to defeat your enemy, amen? But then he also, who was the first person to get the gospel? By the way, I contend it was Adam and Eve, right there. You're going to have a child that's going to defeat your enemy. Amen. But who is the one who was named to have received the gospel first? And the answer to that is, is Abraham. Abraham, in the, in the book of, of Galatians, says that Abraham received the gospel, that in his seed all the world would be blessed. Amen. And so, if you will, the, the good news is this. Listen, uh, uh, Eve, you're going to have a son. And Abraham, you're going to have a son. And he's going to take away the sins of the whole world. And whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have, say it with me, everlasting life. Faith is salvation, folks. Listen, faith is not just an assurance. I'm sure I know what I believe. No, faith is also, I know I'm saved. Why? Not because of anything I did, but because of what Jesus did. Is it okay if I share a little bit with you sent me this morning? Because it applies. Um, uh, Brother Gary sent me a, a thing from uh, Wheaton University this uh, morning. Wheaton University is a seminary. It's uh, arguably one of the most prominent seminaries in America. It's in the Chicago area. And uh, they're having trouble defining oh, all kinds of things right now. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Salvation and marriage and gender and we're all thinking, boy, this, this just happened. No, they, he showed me a quote from 40, 50 years ago that they were having trouble even during the time of uh, uh, you know, Martin Luther King and talking about what constituted salvation. Uh, help me now. I'll tell you what constitutes salvation. You're a sinner. Jesus is a Savior. Whoever, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And let me let you in a little thing that they're also arguing about now. Is, uh, is the God of the Bible is the same God as the Muslims. You guys don't believe that? <clears throat> wow. You don't, you don't believe that the God of the Muslims is the same God of our Bible? Just different name? <laughs> Thank you, brother. Have some confidence. This is about faith, isn't it? Come on now. Do you all believe that he could be the same God as the Muslims? No, because I know in whom I have from faith to faith. From faith to faith. Get a hold of this, folks. This is so important today because people can't be saved unless somebody who truly believes tells them about Jesus Christ as the way of salvation. From faith to faith. Is that what that verse said? From faith to faith. From faith to faith. From faith to faith. Okay, now imagine this. You're going to a seminary that can't distinguish between Jehovah and Allah. Help me now, is there a difference between Jehovah and Allah? <laughs> Amen? And with all the confidence that we're going, yeah, that's, our, that's right! You're going into a world that says, no, 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 God is God. God is God. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, in my study, I can't remember if I did for this message or another message, that God says, don't go into any God's other than me that you've seen or any that you invent. 
He didn't say it in those worlds, but it, that's what it was. He said, don't even invent another God. By the way, all is kind of another invented God. Okay, my whole point is this. From faith to faith, I know in whom... And you know whom I have believed in? The same one Eve was looking for. The same one Abraham was looking for. And by the way, go to Matthew, please. I want to see this. Don't you see this? Go to the book of Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter... uh, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 2. I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. When Jesus was born, notice what the Bible says. In, in Luke chapter 2, look at verse 25. And the Bible says this. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was a just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's, what I would say? Christ. Amen. And folks, read the rest of it. I mean, he rejoices. Ah, you fulfilled your promise. You showed me. You told me I'd see my Messiah. You told me I'd see my Savior. You told me I'd see that promised seed. From faith to faith, it's to me, and I'm going to tell the whole world. Why? Because that's what faith means. It's how you are rescued. It's how you are saved. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And folks, that gives you a foundation of security. Don't you suppose there's lots of ways to heaven? Nope. Are you telling me you're so arrogant to tell me that there's only one way to heaven? Yes, sir. Why? Because they've only been looking for one way from the beginning. From Eve to Abraham to Simeon. Come on now. Amen. And that one name under heaven, give among men, whereby we must be saved, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way a person can be saved. Folks, I got to tell you, it is so nice having that firm foundation. How many of y'all think you can lose your salvation? Well, I'm probably preaching that in the wrong crowd. Okay? But please take this the right way. Most Christians, you could probably convince them they could lose their salvation. Or if you can't convince them, here's what one guy told me. He says, well, I can't lose mine, but I think you could lose yours. (laughs) I thought, well, that's kind of arrogant of you. (laughs) Amen. Uh, but uh, no, 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 no. Listen, think about this. This should be a wake-up call. Why? Because if seminaries are teaching their students that there's no difference between Jehovah and Allah, guess what they do? They go to their churches and preach from their pulpits that there's no difference between Jehovah and Allah. And folks, I'm not trying to preach about the church down the street. But folks, when the Bible says a pastor must be the husband of one wife and they've got a lesbian pastor, they're misidentifying what the Bible says in a lot of ways, are they not? And you say, how dare you judge us? I I'm not judging you. But I'll tell you this, I was saved by Jesus Christ. Okay, and you can redefine anything you want to, but I know in whom I've believed. I know what he said. I have confidence. I have assurance. That is faith. We're living in a world today where all these beliefs are under attack. All of them. 
Uh, if you have family, it's under attack. If you have neighbors, it's under attack. If you have coworkers, it's under attack. If you go to school and you're a student, it's under attack. And you've got to be able to take and have that faith that cannot be shaken. The just shall live by his faith. Meaning what? That you have assurance from God. That you have salvation from God. And then, what does it mean to serve God? Because do you serve God by faith? Yeah, absolutely. But let's see what that means. Go to Galatians chapter 2, please. Go to Galatians chapter 2. By the way, you know what's coming under attack now? Hell. And I'll tell you the motivation. You got to be wishy-washy on hell if you're wishy-washy on salvation. Why? Because you're not sure you're going to heaven. Amen. Any of y'all going to heaven? You know? Isn't it nice having that kind of stability to your life? Amen? A no-so salvation. Amen? But then it's also, faith is also serving. Okay? Living for the Lord. Galatians chapter 2. thought it was there, and I think I flipped my pages. Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 16. And the Bible says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of who? Folks, it was Jesus' faith that fulfilled all righteousness, not yours. Amen? Now, you exercise faith by trusting in him. Amen? But the book of Galatians, he says, the problem is, is that you're wanting to come under the yoke that I've relieved you from. You can't keep the law. But some of you are now trying to say the only way to be pleasing to God is to keep the law. Now, please get a hold of me. Get a hold of this. Should we try to keep the law? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with keeping the law unless you're doing it for salvation, for reward, or so that you could be better than somebody else. I'm going to amen that. Amen? Please take this the right way. Some people do serve the Lord just so they can be better than the guy down the street. Amen? Sometimes you do it to feel good about yourself. The only problem is what happens when you don't do it. Well, then you feel bad about yourself. Amen? Well, notice what he says in chapter 3. Go down to verse 11 for sake of time. I encourage you to read all of the book of Galatians, but the Bible says in verse 11, it says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. And then say it with me, the just shall live by faith. Isn't that interesting? Completely different context, talking about faith from a completely different perspective so that we understand the full nature of faith. Faith is assurance. And faith is salvation, but folks, faith is also service to our God, okay? If you live a life of faith, are you serving God? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, get a hold of that. And so if you will, uh, if I was to ask the definition of faith it, up to this point, you could have given me all three of those definitions and you would have been partially right. But in a sense, God's saying, no, this is what faith is, and this is what faith is, and this is what faith is, and this is what faith is. Y'all understand? And by the way, it all intersects around Christ and what he did, of course. But notice what he's talking about. You see, there's a couple things that we need to know about good works. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't do good works. You just should do them for the right reasons. 
by faith. Okay, why? Well, I'll tell you why. Look at verse 6. How do you get your salvation? Look at verse 6, chapter uh, 3 and verse 6. Galatians 3 and verse 6. Come on. Abraham believed God and it was... I'm try one more time. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, okay? And so if you will, God has this wonderfully big bank account, amen, that he purchased in his blood and his faithfulness, amen, that God said, uh, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That is the only human being in all of human history that God says, he did it right, amen. And if you will, he, he, he takes, and he has, if you will, the reservoir of salvation, from Christ. And the Bible says, Abraham believed God. By the way, we showed you from another place that uh, Abraham believed the gospel just like you. And it was accounted unto him. So if you will, does he get a reward for believing? No, no, no. He just gets saved for believing. Now, by the way, that's plenty of reward in that. Okay. But the whole point is this, is God doesn't owe Abraham anything because everything Abraham got was from Jesus' account. Amen. Verse 6. Notice the second thing. Service is not of debt. We don't serve God because we owe him anything. Now, don't take that too far. Let me read the verses, okay? Go to chapter 4 and look at verse 7. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. By the way, you have to read the whole book of Galatians to get around that one verse there. Um, but Galatians 4 and verse 7, the Bible says this, it says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir. Wow. So it was accounted unto him, and it says an heir of God. Say it with me through. So if you get any reward, it's because you're getting an inheritance. Woo-hoo. Amen. You're an heir. The Bible says this, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about keeping the law and all the works that they did. He says, why are you saying that's necessary for salvation? No! Now some of you might think, well, no, you should still work. Yes, yes, you should. You should but not for wages. The wages of sin is death. And those are wages we don't want. We want what is accounted to us. Amen. Amen. Okay. And then here, not as wages for work. Why? Folks, anybody here think you can work hard enough to get even your salvation debt paid for? So, you say, well, well, good, then we don't have to work. We can do anything we want to. God forbid. God forbid. How could we who were dead in trespasses and sins, amen, uh, live that way any longer? No, 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 no. Uh, keep going. Look down at verse uh, 31 in chapter 4. The Bible says this. It says, so then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free, meaning we don't serve because we have to. We serve because we get to. Amen. Read the whole chapter. I don't have time to develop it. It's, it's a wonderful thought. Amen. Go to chapter 5. You see, when it comes to serving God, salvation is accounted for. Service is not of debt. Service in chapter 5 is walking in the Spirit. Amen. Look at verse 16. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, what's the Bible say? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Meaning this, anybody here ever try to do better and you do for a while and then you don't? Am I the only one or is it just me? So anytime somebody looks at me and says, well, pastor, I'm going to try to do better, I always look them in the eye and say, you're going to fail then. Why? Because you can't try hard enough not to do wrong. Amen. And the Bible says that when we give ourselves over to our flesh, that it has fruits, it manifests itself in a certain way. Amen. And, and so it's so much easier for us to go into our, our, our carnal side, into our fleshly side. And, and, and by the way, all the good that you could do could be wiped out in just a moment with one bad thing. Isn't that true? That's kind of the way the life works. Amen. Well, just because, again, I'm, I don't have time. He says, you know the, the, the works of the flesh. The Bible says, uh, uh, verse 9, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. I'm not going to keep reading the list, lest anybody say, well, I haven't done any of those things. You might want to see how Jesus defines those things. Because every one of us have done those things. Okay? But then notice what it says in verse 22. Now, what did he just say earlier? He says, yield yourself to the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, if you will, salvation and serving God isn't, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. It's, God, what would you have me to do? Amen? How often should we do that? And no matter what your answer is, it's probably not enough. <laughs> Because the Bible says pray without ceasing. And I don't know about you, but most of my prayers, other than thanking the Lord for food, is Lord, help me to know what to do. Am I the only one? Lord, help me know what to do. Lord, help me know what to do. Lord, help me know what to do. And so what I'm saying is, Lord, whenever I have this confrontation, you're going to have confrontations, let me be led by your spirit, not by my flesh. Lord, whenever I start witnessing to this friend who I know is going to get mad, Lord, help me to be led by your spirit, not by my flesh. Come on now. And the Bible says that if you'll yield yourself to the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Anybody here have struggled with that one? By the way, there's twice as many fruits of the flesh as there are fruits of the spirit. Study it out. There's twice as much minus one, Okay. And I still haven't figured that out, but if I ever do, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Verse 22, though, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, does that say fruits or fruit? <laughs> so please take this the right way. I think when you're led by the Spirit, all these things manifest themselves. Amen? And how many of y'all think you're in solid ground with God, service-wise, when you're doing it because you love and you have joy, and you have peace, and you practice long-suffering and gentleness and goodness, and you have faith and meekness and temperance. Against such there is, what does the Bible say? There's no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And how do we do that? We do it by faith. Anybody here lived a Christian life long enough to know that just about every time you think you can go ahead and handle this one in the flesh because you're too tired or too busy to stop and pray, you always end up messing it up. When if you'd have just stopped and said, God, I'm going to need your help on this one again. 
I don't know about you. Here's, here's the way I like having conflict now. God, would you please move on their heart? <laughs> and I mean that seriously. I'm not trying to be clever. What I'm saying is, Lord, let's both be spiritual about this, and it's not an issue. Amen? Serving the Lord. Okay? We see faith means assurance. Faith means salvation. Faith means service, true service. And then, by the way, I don't, I don't have time, but if you go through uh, Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 10, he gives you all kinds of examples of what true faith is, and I just I don't have time. But then, last of all, go to the book of Hebrews. We'll be done. Hebrews. Go to chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Any of y'all uh, like getting closer to God? Do you? Anybody here ever been in an elevator? If you ever go in an old-fashioned elevator, you'll go up and you'll hear a clink. 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 If you've ever, all the guys who know what I'm talking about have already shook their heads. <laughs> Those are the anti-break of the cable <laughs> lockouts. I don't know what else to call them. Dogs, they're called, but anyhow, I think. There you go. <laughs> and uh, what happens is if you start to backslide, the, the brakes hit, okay? Now, any of y'all want to finish your course? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Amen? Y'all want to please God? Well, God says this, if, if you want to do that, then you need to keep from shrinking back from faith. And I want you to know Habakkuk was doing just that. I don't, know, I don't know if I can trust a God that punishes the good guys and rewards the bad guys. Amen? And he says, I'm just going to go up in my tower and wait till I'm rebuked. Right? And then God looked at him and he says, Habakkuk, the just shall live by his faith. How profound was the thought? It was so profound. Paul said, I better write about that in Romans and Galatians and Hebrews. I believe he wrote Hebrews. Okay? And if you were to read chapter 10, and then you guys know what chapter 11 is. It's the Hall of Fame of Faith that follows the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then he says, by faith, Noah and Abraham and Moses and all those people, amen? If you will, before that, he's talking about faith, and he quotes that verse. So in chapter 10, beginning in verse uh, 22, he talks about not having a shrinking faith. In verse 22, he says this, he says, uh, 
He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If you were to read this whole chapter, and for sake of time, I won't, he continually gives you all these vocabulary words that talks about the kind of faith that all of us want to have because none of us want to shrink back from that day that we got saved. We all want to be, if you will, running across the finish line like this by faith. Amen? Not shrinking back. Amen? And so he uses the word in verse 22, assurance. In chapter, at verse 23, he uses the word unwavering. Amen. And uh, in verse 25, he gives us a mechanism for staying strong in the faith. You guys know Hebrews 10, 25? How many of y'all know Hebrews 10, 25? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together is, come on now, Amen. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to assemble ourselves together. Why? To keep us strong in the faith. Anybody watch sports? Can I just tell you this? Uh, the best players win the championships. And you give all the credit to the coaches that you want to, but if the coaches don't have good players, then they don't win championships, right? So why do they need coaches? Can I just tell you this? Coaches keep them focused. Coach them, keep them their mind in the game. Coaches keep them from being afraid when they're overwhelmed. Coaches keep them telling them, you can win this, you can do this. And can I tell you this? What does church should be about? Listen, I'm telling you, church ought to tell you, hey, we can, we can finish the fight. Keep, keep faithful to the truth. Stay in the, stay in the old paths, amen. Uh, trust the Lord. He won't let you down, amen. You say, well, I don't need that. Yeah, you do. And uh, you know, Please take this the right way. You get four opportunities a week here at Liberty Baptist Church. Some churches, you get one service. And you say, well, anybody here ever been challenged? Why do you go to church so much? Well, please take this the right way. One good answer would be, because I really, really, really want to finish my walk of faith. I don't want to be somebody who's cast aside. I don't want to be a used-to-be Christian. I don't want to be a somebody that says, well, I used to do this for the Lord, and I used to do that for the Lord. I don't want to be one of those that shrink back. Amen. Look what the Bible says, if you will, in verse 35. Because in chapter 10, verse 35, it says, uh, he says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. He's talking about confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Y'all believe it will be worth it all when we see Christ. Amen. And then what is the way to recognize if, if you don't have the right foundation of faith? Well, look at verse 38. And verse 38 is the one that gives us that verse. It says, now the just shall live by faith. Amen. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Y'all see that? And folks, there is such a security in God, we don't have to shrink back. He, he's got the arresting hooks for us to keep us from falling, amen? He says you can have assurance and confidence and be unwavering and stay in that church and charged up and finish your course because the just shall live by his faith. And verse 38 again, it's talking about a reward. We read that in another place. He says, my soul shall have no pleasure in him who shrinks back, but... You know what he's got for people who don't shrink back? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Folks, how important is faith? You know, we might have started this whole thing, everybody would have, yeah, of course, faith. No, what does faith mean, though? 
And I got to tell you, it is good to have faith. And I, just because a person goes to church doesn't mean they have faith. Amen. Would to God that we could embrace these truths and have a secure, stable walk with the Lord that we can pass on from faith to faith. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the foundations that you put in our